Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We are doing a series on spiritual warfare. It has many aspects to it. And uh, we are now at the place where we're looking at the fact that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. So let me begin reading in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. The Apostle Paul is now explaining to us in detail why we need God's armor. Why he said to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Why he told us, put on the whole armor of God. He gets to verse 12 and he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Last week we looked at the fact that the devil does exist. In fact, I I like the verse in Jude and verse 9. Again, there's no chapters in Jude. And it says there, Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he, that's the devil, disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Now, these are not two imaginary beings having a conversation. Amen? This is something real that is going on. And I want you to notice that not only is there opposition, but there is also those that are fighting on our side. Michael's an archangel. Amen? And they are active in battle. They are watching, and you know what they're watching for? What you're going to say next. What you are going to allow next. Whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed is loosed. Amen? We are the ones that are doing the binding and the loosing. And we need to make sure that we're binding the right things and we're loosing the right things. You know, let me just take a moment and share something with you. As I was praying you know, over the messages and over just the, just the direction that we're going, the Lord spoke to me because sometimes I think, Lord, am I pushing Him too far? You know, sometimes I, I just wonder if you're ready for some of the things that I say to you. And, uh, and then I'm thinking... Am I right in all the things that I'm saying to you? <laughs> now, I'm sure I'm not right in everything. Let me just clear that right up. You know, I'm constantly learning and growing in things. Amen. But I said, Lord, you know, do you want me to scale it down a little bit? Mind you, it shouldn't be me up here preaching anyway. And if it's you, then why am I having this conversation? But, or maybe I need to in order to allow you to say and do what you need to do through me. Amen. You know, and so I was waiting on the Lord for an answer. Didn't have to wait long. And (laughs) it was very interesting. He said, whatever you enable them to do, they will do. Whatever you tell them they can't do, they won't do. He said, you're still trying to get to the place where all things are possible. And he said, you still haven't even reached anywhere close to what's possible. So he said, don't you dare water it down or water me down. I said, sorry God. Because you know something? I realize when we get to heaven, you know what we won't say? Oh, look at all the things that we did that was just too much. Can I say this? We'll have the exact opposite. When we, I don't want us to get to heaven and go, oh, wow, if only I knew. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Might drive you crazy some days, but I'll let you know. Because we need it here, this side of heaven. There's no devil in heaven. Amen? He was kicked out of there. It's about time we kicked him out of our paradise. We've been redeemed. Amen. 
Now, having said all of that, let me go to Colossians chapter 2. Because as much as we understand that we are wrestling against all of these powers, principalities and powers and rulers and all of that stuff, I want us going into this fight with this knowledge. It is essential that we understand that the enemy that we are to engage is a defeated foe. He makes a lot of noise to scare us. He wanders around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But the real lion is in you. The lion of the tribe of Judah lives in you. He pretends to be one. You are one. Guess who's going to win the fight? As long as you know. See, what happens a lot of times is we don't know who we are. We don't know whose we are, and we don't realize who lives in us. And so we allow the enemy to just do all these things and scare us. Mostly, he's into scaring you. Mostly, it's fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of whatever he can come up with. Because it cripples you, it stops you, it stops you believing, it stops you doing anything. You just come to a halt. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Amen. And you need to understand that if you don't allow him to make you afraid, because that's something you have to allow him to do. You have to take time out to meditate on things to make you afraid. Are you all with me? I'm talking about fear that grips you. About fear that stops you from believing. About fear that causes you to doubt everything. And it's always, what if God doesn't? What if God does? There's always two scenarios. Can I say that? There's always the God scenario and there's always the devil scenario. The world trains us to always see the devil scenario. But we have been given authority over it. Amen? Now, I need to get through this others we want. I want to get to verse 14 next week. So we have to finish verses 12 and 13 today. Can I move on? Are you all with me? Okay. Notice it says, Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, Having disarmed principalities and powers. Notice what Ephesians says, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. Those are the first and the highest ranking. Okay, so if they're taking care of all the little things underneath, they're taking care of as well. So notice it says, Having disarmed principalities and powers. Notice they have been disarmed. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now some people, religious, that's why I want to deal with this today. Some people say, oh brother, that's what happened at the cross. No. You know the cross was a place of pain, it was a place of defeat, it looked that way as well. You can't, you know, this is where people go so wrong. People point to the cross and say, our Messiah, you know, this is our Messiah. He's not on the cross anymore. He's seated at the right hand of God. Please take him off the cross. He paid a price there and it was a price for us. He had to die for us. It was not a place of victory. In fact, Isaiah chapter 53. Notice what it says here. Verses 4 and 5. We know these verses, but I want to show it to you in a different light. It says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet, watch this, We esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Do you hear that? It wasn't a place of victory. We were looking at it and thought, Uh oh, He messed up. He done something wrong. So He's suffering for it now. That doesn't sound like a victory, and that doesn't sound like He's triumphing over anything. 
We need to understand this because people don't realize that wasn't where the battle was. That was where the price was being paid. A price had to be paid for our stupidity. For our sin. Amen? And it was a horrific price. And he paid it. And it was, you know, and we need to see that was not a rejoicing moment. It says even the sky went black. And you couldn't even see anything for several hours. That's not this verse. <laughs> okay? I'm just saying. It says, verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. See, it's, it's showing a price being paid. The chastisement, which means the punishment for our peace was upon him. Does that sound like a victory to you? I don't think so. And because of all of that, the wonderful news is by his strife, because he went through all of that, we are healed. Amen? So, even though this scripture clearly shows us that the cross was not a place of victory, but a place of judgment, suffering, and great distress, it is nevertheless a wonderful scripture and promises healing and redemption for all mankind. So, what Colossians 2.15 is describing is what happened after the price was paid in hell. I'm bringing this out to you because you need to understand as you're going into this battle, don't go in there afraid. So again, Colossians 2.15 is describing what happened after the price was paid in hell. And what Hebrews chapter 1 brings out. When it says in verses 6-12, through 12, But when He again brings the firstborn into the world. What does that mean? Jesus couldn't die as God. You can't kill God. He had to die as a man. That's why He had to speak those words out. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Okay, that was the cue. That was the time when Jesus stopped being God. Because he was never out of fellowship with the Father. Remember Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember that? Okay. So somewhere, how can you kill God? Have you ever thought about that? You just can't. But who sinned? It wasn't God, it was man. Jesus had two titles. Son of God, Son of Man. Do you all understand hypostatic union? It's a big word. It just means, okay, <laughs> sounds like something, I don't want to get injected with that, no. <laughs> no, all right. <laughs> it, it means that Jesus was all God and all man. Okay? Now, the thing is, if He's all God, there's no way you can kill Him. There's no way the devil is going to take Him to hell. There's no way He's going to give Him entrance into that place. Right, you know, He already had a fight with God and lost. You know what I'm trying to say? We don't invite that in twice, Okay? So what Jesus had to do was he had to separate himself, that divine part of himself, from the human part of himself. The Son of Man had to die. Not the Son of God, the Son of Man had to die. And he had to be a perfect man. Because a perfect man messed up, a perfect man had to die. That's why Jesus, when he suffered, he didn't suffer for anything that he did. It was everything we did. Understand that when you're receiving forgiveness. Because you receive perfection back. For all your flaws that you give Him, you receive His perfection back. That's the reason why we need to get that revelation and walk in it. So that the devil doesn't keep saying, Oh yeah, you know who you are, and you know you're always going to mess up, and you know blah 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 blah. He uses your past to keep you trapped in the present. But if you ever cut that off, He has nothing. He has no hold on you. Amen? And we need to keep moving forward. Yeah, you might mess up again, but there's forgiveness again. Keep at it till you get there. Anyway, that's not my message. <laughs> Back to this. All right. 
Notice again, he says, but he again. So the, the reason it says this is because Jesus had to separate his deity from his humanity. But I tell you, after three days, after the devil had a field day with him, you know there was a lot of demons that were waiting to get payback. Remember all of them crying out and screaming and leaving? I, I, I really think for three days they were confused. I, I'm, I'm sure they were thinking, but this was the Son of God. We recognized Him. He was casting us out left, right and center. The best we could do is ask to go into pigs. You know? <laughs> you know? I mean, we just had absolutely no defense against this guy. And here he is. Defenseless. What happened? Now you need to understand, God uses words to create, bring into existence everything. He is putting the God back in Jesus. Listen to this with that in mind, okay? So there is Jesus, last day, paid the price, and suddenly light begins to shine. You'll get a lot of light in hell. Okay? And the devil's going, what is this? And down comes a voice. And it begins to say, let all the angels of God, I mean Hebrews 1.6, worship Him. Oh, who's talking? We're going to find out this is God the Father talking. And of the angels, He says, who makes His angels spirits and His ministers a flame of fire. But to the Son, He says, your throne, to the Son, He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Here it comes. The God is going back into Jesus. Okay, A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, watch this, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth... And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not fail. That was the end. And suddenly, there was light in hell. Remember Jesus on the mountaintop? Yeah, we, we, we can't forget some of these things. Remember when they went on the mountain? Peter, James, and John? Pete didn't stop talking, you know, okay? Remember? And then he stood there and suddenly, ta-da! And he shone like the sun. That was him saying, this is who I am. You see the humanity of me, take a look at the deity. That's the reason why Jesus was hoping Peter would understand he had to die. He had to take, he had to go down there and there was going to be a time when this would come back. And then demons will be scuttling and hurrying and finding a place to hide. And can I just say this? What happened on the mountaintop happened in hell. Suddenly there was a man and then next thing there is God. In all of his glory in hell. Uh, the next few minutes, hours, was not pleasant for the devil. This is Colossians 2.15. It's like, okay, now... Where were we? (laughs) And then those words in Genesis 3.15 flashed across the devil's mind. Here he is. And we invited him in. Why did he open the gate? And they all go, you did. (laughs) Amen. 
Are you all here? You need to get this. I, I need you to see this before we can talk about principalities and powers and yada, yada, yada. You need to know that teeth have been pulled. They're there, but they're not the ones that are in control. Otherwise, there is no way we could win this fight. You're here unless the fight was already won. Unless the devil was humiliatingly defeated. That's what this verse says. He was humiliatingly defeated. Watch what it says. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them. In what way? Triumphing over them. I mean, he just... You know, can I say, if it says disarm, mean they were armed. It means that Jesus did some pretty awesome whatever and absolutely wipe the floor clean. Remember Michael, man, they all have swords and stuff. These are not little wimpy things that run around with little, you know, wands and little star in the end. It lights up when you... No, okay? Just get all that stuff out of your head. These guys are in fierce battle. Remember Daniel? One angel is trying to get through to him. It took 21 days of, what do you think, having tea parties? They were fighting. Can you imagine 21 days of continuous battle? Until Michael says, okay, you're through, go. I'll take care of this. And remember the angel says, I left him back there, taking care of the problem. Hello, are you all with me? We need to understand. I mean, this stuff is real. And while they had such a problem with him back then, this has now happened. It's not such a big problem anymore. All the problem Michael was having, Jesus took care of. Amen? Okay. So, that's the reason why now when we get to Matthew chapter 28, after Jesus rose from the dead, it says in verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He got it all back. Amen? And then in, in Mark 16, verses 15 onwards, we know the scriptures. He says, Going to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because you're free to do it. You have the authority to do it, you have the right to do it, and you have the power to do it. And he's going to tell them that. Alright, he's going to show him by saying next, he's, he says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Now, do you understand why he was so strong in what he said? He had just finished battling the devil. He had just wiped out hell. He comes up and he says, Now, here's a choice. You believe, you can have everything I've won for you. You don't and you're putting yourselves back in the hands of the enemy. And he ain't happy right now. Do you know the devil holds a grudge forever? He never forgets, he never forgives. He don't ever think he's like God, you know, after a while he'll forget that you, you know, did all these things and messed up his kingdom and so that you can backslide and he'll just leave you alone and he'll go, "Oh yeah, look, he's not doing anything. Let's leave him alone." Are you kidding? Until you're dead, he's not satisfied. He is that person that wants vengeance to the very end. Are you all here? So before you ever put your sword down, remember these words, okay? <laughs> Say, Pastor said, don't put my sword down, okay? Don't put your sword down. Alright, and then he says, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs will follow those who believe. He's about to say, because of that defeat, there's power available now. Now the devil can't stop this from happening. In the past he could, now he can't. Are you getting now what's going on? Okay, And he says, in my name they will cast out demons. Notice why you need the name. Because it's he who took them out. You say the name and they back off because <laughs> they've dealt with that. It's like Jesus said to them, don't make me come down. They use my name. You better listen. Because the next time it won't be so, I won't be so kind. 
And they're going, my God, that was kind. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know why? Because you touch the least of one of mine. You're messing with me. Is the loose Roche translation, but you get it. It's like I'm here. What do you have to say? <laughs> nothing, nothing, we're good. <laughs> we're going. <laughs> Understand that whenever you use the name of Jesus, He's there. Those eyes are looking at the devil. You might say, well, can Jesus be everywhere once? Yes, He's omnipresent. <laughs> the devil can't be, but Jesus is. Amen. He can be all the places, all the time at once. So don't think He has to make a special appearance for you. He's always there. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Remember those words. You can't say that unless you're God. If you're not God, then you have to leave somewhere to, and forsake someone to be with somebody else. So you're not forsaking them. Did you get that? When He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, He said, I can be everywhere at once. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Let's move on here. And that's the reason why He says, In my name, they will cast out demons. <laughs> and they better go. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, or anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. See, even your physical body, whatever that the devil tries to slip in, is not going to work. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And so then, after the Lord had spoken to them, it says, He was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Now, understand the Lord working with them. Understand that the Lord works with you. Whenever you are wrestling against all of these things, whenever these things are coming against you, they're coming against you and God. Remember, greater is He that is in you, until there's a fight, then he leaves. No. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's not how it works, man. Greater is he that is in you all the time. Even in the fight. Remember the footsteps? Remember the guy complaining? Jesus, every time there was a problem, there's only one set. What happened? You left. Remember his response? No, that's when I'm carrying. Those are my footsteps, Dopey. That's because you want to sit down and suck your thumb, and I've got to pick you up and carry you now. Because we went bye-bye in the mind. That's the reason why he tells us that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. It doesn't check out in the middle of battle. Amen? Okay then. Let's move on. <laughs> so it's important that we acknowledge all of this before we go on to look at the warfare that we are to engage in. And what each of the terms mean in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Beginning with the word wrestle. Alright, in the Greek, it denotes a close struggle, as would be in the case of hand-to-hand -hand combat. Alright, in other words, it is an encounter that is fought at close quarters, and where the enemy is face-to-face, toe-to-toe with you. Are you with me? As to why there is such an intense struggle with what is effectively a totally defeated enemy, John MacArthur explains that though Satan and his minions know they are sentenced eternally to the bottomless pit prepared in hell for them, they seek desperately to change that fate if they can, warring ceaselessly to break the power of God and destroy the things of God, especially the church. They're in a desperate struggle for survival. That's where your battle is. And they're just doing whatever they can. They're little kamikazing themselves, you know, do whatever they need to do to survive because they know there's a very bad end coming. That's why I keep saying to people, God and the devil are not working together. What kind of a reward is it to get kicked into a pit and, and, and left there forever? 
Who worked for those kind of wages? Are you stupid? <laughs> Sorry, I wouldn't say that. I already said it. Anyway, <laughs> some people, it just amazes me the stupidity of some people, you know. But can I just say this? Listen to me. How you inspire people will depend how far they go. My job here is to release you into the reality and the revelation that all things are possible and don't let anybody put butts on it. Unless it's something really stupid, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't ever let somebody say, oh yeah, but that was for them and that was for... As soon as you do that, you are putting a restriction in straight away and you are cutting off the faith of the individual. Jesus was very clear when He said, if you believe, this will happen. If you don't, it won't. So what is it that we're doing? What is the church doing constantly? Taking people's belief away from them. And putting a belief in there that's not good for them. And that belief is, oh, just believe that everything that's going wrong in your life is, has a purpose, and God's going to teach you something. Wrong belief. You're not doing anything to fight the enemy now. You're seeing God as the, the person that gives you good things and bad things. And there's no fight. You just sit there and take whatever comes. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. Wonder how God's feeling today. Is He going to bless me or vomit on me? You know, I don't know what He's going to do today. You know, what you know what I'm trying to say? That's how most Christians think. Amen. So that's why we need spiritual weaponry. And why it has to be nothing less than God's own armor if we're ever going to enforce the victory. Did you hear that? Enforce the victory. It is already won. You need to enforce the thing. Okay? To enforce the victory that Jesus himself obtained with his own life. As for the supernatural powers that have been set against us. First of all, notice the word against again. Okay? Mentioned before each rank and file. Meaning that the attacks can come from any of them at any time. Now, without getting too caught up in the specifics of the ranks and positions that Paul may be alluding to, we'll have a quick look at each, beginning with principalities. This is thought to represent the highest level of Satan's government, with the greatest concentration of high-ranking demons, with Satan as the chief magistrate. Next, there are powers. This is believed to be a reference to evil spirits with great destructive power, ability, and authority. Following this, we have rulers of darkness. They are believed to be evil spirits that are constantly competing for spiritual territory, based on specific geographical boundaries. All right? In other words, they are constantly working at infiltrating the various political systems of the world in an attempt to patent them after Satan's system of rule. So that's what they're doing. Okay? And finally, we have spiritual hosts of wickedness. Hosts means a whole bunch of them, alright? These are thought to be those demons who are involved in the most wretched and vile immoralities, such as extremely perverse sexual practices, the occult, Satan worship, and so on. Their particular final goal is to work day and night to destroy mankind, and especially the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. As John MacArthur points out, the Christian struggle is not only against Satan himself, but also against a host of his demon sub subordinates. A vast array of adversaries who, like the devil, are not flesh and blood. Our greatest enemy is not the world we see. Corrupt and wicked as it is, but the world we cannot see. However, it is essential that we understand that where sin is confessed and put away, Satan and his demons are automatically expelled every single time. If ever you mess up, Confess. Make it quick. Don't allow the ticker to keep running. Because the more time you give him, the more he'll work against you. Amen? Be quick to repent. Be slow to sin and quick to repent. Can I say that? 
take a long time, have, be double-minded when you're about to sin. Sit there and go, do I really want to do that? No, you know, is it really? <laughs> you know, like you do when God asks you to do something good? <laughs> do that the other way. And when God asks you to do something good, do like what you do with sin. Yeah, sure, uh-huh. That's the problem with us, you know, and I don't want us here about the body of Christ. Sin comes along and my God, the eyes pop out and we're gone. God comes along and asks you something, I have to pray about it for six years. <laughs> flip it, just flip it. Pray about sin for six years and whenever God says do something, do it straight away. Don't even think about it. Because the more you think, the more in trouble you'll get. Amen? The only thing you need to think about is if you need to determine that it is God or not. Okay? So, that does not mean that we are free from danger. And again, why there's a need for armor. And why the Apostle Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 6.13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Now, firstly, this verse tells us that we must be prepared at all times with the full armor of God, because as always, the devil will attack us when we least expect it. Alright? Because that's the way he operates. Second, the Apostle Paul goes on to tell us, what the purpose for the armor is, and that is that you may be able to withstand in that evil day. Amen? As one commentator put it, every day since the fall has been an evil day for mankind, relatively speaking. Okay? It's not the Garden of Eden anymore. You are with me? Alright? And it is our responsibility to stand firm and resist the devil at every turn. And according to James 4.7, he will flee from us. Remember James 4.7, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and what? He will flee from you. Amen? Remember the first part, submit to God. Don't just resist the devil. Submit to God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Amen? Put on the armor of God. Resist Him. He'll flee. However, sadly, as we all know, not everyone stands firm and successfully resists. I want to read this to you because this is important. One commentator tells this story. Some 40 years ago, three men conducted evangelistic campaigns together in Ireland. And saw much fruit from their labors there. Years later, an Irish pastor who was converted in those meetings asked about the three men. He was told that only one was still faithful to the Lord. Of the other two, one had become apostate, no longer believed, okay, and the other had died an alcoholic. And this person concludes, some believers have done everything well in the Lord's work, but sadly they do not continue to stand firm. The Apostle John warns us in 2 John and verse 8, Watch out that you do not lose the prize for which we have been working so hard. Be diligent so that you will receive your full reward. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I discipline my body, bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. And this is the reason for God's armor, so that you can stand firm and overcome every evil, no matter what form it takes. In fact, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible commentary says that the Greek word for withstand means vigorously opposing, bravely resisting, standing face-to-face against an adversary, standing your ground. It says all of this armor is not just a passive protection in facing the enemy, it is to be used offensively against these satanic forces. And I like what one other commentator says, and we'll finish here. He says, the soldiers referred to here are drawn up in battle array and rushing into the fight. They're not running away from it. Amen? They are both defending themselves and attacking. 
Only when they make full use of God's armor will they be able to stand their ground. That is to withstand the foe, listen, stand up against him, repulse his onrush, and even gain ground. So this is not just holding your ground. We need to gain some ground. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. That is the good fight of faith that we are to fight. That's 1 Timothy 6.12. Okay, notice that this fight involves what? Faith. That's the reason why 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. You're getting this now. The greatest joys come in the greatest victories. The greatest victories come from the greatest battles. When they are fought by faith in the power and with the armor of the Lord. And this verse assures us that if we engage the enemy in God's armor, we are assured that the devil will not be able to move us. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word.